Open our imaginations, open our spirits, our hearts, our minds to what you've given me to present to your people today. May it bring us into a a deeper revelation of who you are and why we exist. God, may it open us to understand worship on a deeper level and understand why it's so essential to be a part of who we are and what we do and why it glorifies you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, have your way here. Teach us. Use me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm uh, trying something new here. I'm going to use my iPad to look at the notes that I put together for us. How many of you have ever been close to a lightning strike before? You know, I mean, where the thunder was so loud that it literally hurt and made you shake, and the light was so bright that it actually left an impression that that didn't go away for a while. That happened to me when I was probably 12 years old or so. I was in the upstairs bedroom at my home, and my home was right next door to the school play yard. Isn't that a nice place to live? And there was this big metal, old metal um, swing set that had two long sections and many swings with metal chains and wooden seats. I mean, back then, if you got hit by a swing, woof, it was big. But anyway, they would, they would tie these up so that we wouldn't get to them <laughs> and, uh, and actually lock them with locks so that we wouldn't be able to get them down and swing when the school wasn't open. You can't imagine that that ever did happen, though, that we, we got the swings down. But at this particular day, it was a thunder and lightning storm in Fulton, New York, and I was looking out the window at the swings in the schoolyard because the rain was pounding down so hard, and a lightning strike came down and hit the swing set. And it turned it a blue-white, and it glowed. And my eyes, for, for a while I could close my eyes and still see the swing set's outline in blue-white light. It was that bright. And the clap was so loud that, that my sister and I literally shook and hugged each, hugged each other because it was so amazing. I introduced that thought to you for this reason. I want you to turn, or I want us to turn... I'm going to turn to Revelation chapter 4. My thought as I began to, to think about how can I present worship the way God would have me present it was, well, let's see. If I could, I'd want to experience a perfect worship service, right? Wouldn't you want a, per, a perfect worship service to be the model for worship for you? Well, thanks to the Apostle John and the Holy Spirit, we're invited into the perfect worship service he saw when he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And it's recorded for us in Revelation 4 and 5. It says that I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I saw a door open for me, and as he passes through this door into heaven, what do you think he comes in on but a worship service? A worship service, hallelujah. Guess what? Worship is eternal, Worship is eternal. And it's not just an activity, it's a relationship. It's an expression of who you are and who God is. It's an acknowledgement of all that that is important and essential for his kingdom to be fulfilled. 
look at, listen to what the word says. He said, I heard a voice say, come up here and I will show you what must take place. And he said, and I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had an appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. And by the way, they all focused and were, were facing the one central th- throne. Because there's only one who's worthy of worship. Amen? And why would we worship him? And what is worship? And it says, I saw these amazing creatures. They had a face of a lion and a human and an ox and a man. And they had eyes all over them and they were around the throne. And they never stopped saying, what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So the first expression of worship is acknowledging God for who he is. Acknowledging his person. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Come on, God's perfect, folks. He can't sin. He never has, he never will, and he won't start with you. So don't let the devil cause you to believe there's anything wrong with God's character. Amen? Don't let any circumstance that you face because of sin's existence on the earth cause you to lose sight of who God is and what he's like. Because sin exists doesn't mean God is unholy, amen? Or that he's made a mistake, or that he isn't there for you in the midst of your situation. Peter writes in his book about people who are being martyred for their faith. What? God lets people be martyred for their faith? And he's still holy. Amen? I don't want to, I mean, you know, I don't have my hand up. Please sign me up for martyr school. None of us would unless we really understood that it might be the way God has for us to glorify his name and declare the reality of who he is. That sin would never have victory over us. That God says, what can man do to you? All he can do is take away your temporary temple but he can't touch you. Amen? Because you are in me, and I am in you. And I am eternal. And I have made you to be eternal, and no one can take that away. Nothing can separate you from me. Hallelujah. Guys, I hope you get it here. It's not about what we face on earth. It's who we face it with and whose life is in us as we face it. Hallelujah? All right, so I don't ever have to question the person of God. Why? Because he is holy. He is holy. Satan constantly tries to get people to doubt the character of God. Amen? The book of Job is all about that. Trying to get a man to proclaim or challenge the holy character of God. Or the fact that he had a right relationship with him that he hadn't sinned, and the things that he suffered were not because of sin, but because of Satan, because of this world's current situation. So the first thing that we see when we see this worship in heaven is a declaration of the character of God, his person. The second thing we see is that it talks about the fact that he he is worthy. i got to figure out how to make this thing stay on someday. 
All right. We talk about his person, then about the purposes or the motives of God. The motives for the things that, that he does. His motives are always pure. His motives are always good. He desires to bless you, not to curse you. Amen? He desi- his plans for you are good, Jeremiah says. They're never bad. They're never bad. And he always has eternity in, in his heart and mind. Amen? Now, this present life has meaning and purpose. Trust me. In my last sermon, I I hope I made that clear to you. Every choice you make is important because it contributes either for the furtherance of the kingdom of God on the earth or it doesn't. So, the next thing is his motives, his purpose. He is love. He desires to give to the fullest possible extent life. Life to the full. Everything we could possibly experience. By the way, who is the source of life? Who is? God. Not you. God. You may be able to bear children and give them life, but you know what? God is the source of all life. He created all things. He is the life giver. Amen? And so all life comes from him. And so they worship him and they say, listen to what they say. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and they have their being. God, you're the source of all life. You are life and you give life. Hallelujah. Have you received God's life? It will change your life forever. If all you have is your earthly life, your physical life, your human life, you're missing out on the greatest experience that you could ever possibly have to have the very life of God become alive in you. When he created the first man, how did the man become alive? God breathed what? His life into him, and man became a living being. Has God breathed his life into you through your faith in Jesus Christ? You're coming to realize that he is also the life giver. In him was life, right? And the life was what God came to give to you through Jesus Christ. And then the last thing is this. He's worthy to rule. (laughs) Who do you want to rule over you? Somebody who can make a mistake or somebody who can't? Somebody who's perfect or somebody who's likely not to have your best interest in heart? God has your best interests in heart. Some, Satan wants us all to believe, and he, he did this with Eve, that God only wants to be boss. God only wants to be boss. But you know what? who your king is? Your king is so awesome that he paid the price for sin's existence before it first touched man. Because as I said in my last sermon to you, Jesus Christ is a lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world before the foundation of the world. God is a redeemer, and he has to be a redeemer for his character to be fully shown. Amen? All right, so what is worship like in heaven? It acknowledges his person, it acknowledges his purpose, and it acknowledges his place as sovereign Lord of all. Hallelujah. What's your life like? Does it acknowledge... Boy, I I lost it again here. Sorry. Does it acknowledge God's position, his purpose, and his his person? 
I want to finish by reading to you from Roman, or Revelation 5, because it, it wasn't just the one who was seated on the throne, God the Father, but then John gets a revelation of God the Son. But God the Son appears, how do you know? He appears as a lamb slain at the center of the throne. Now, now listen to this worship. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth because of God's presence and power and person in them. And because of the Holy Spirit. It says, then I looked and I heard the voice. Now, listen to this. Then I heard the voice of many, angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice, they sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worship. What does that do to you? Seriously, what does that do to you? How arrogant can we possibly be not to realize that we need to get on our face before God regularly and worship him, worship him. It will raise you up, I swear to you. Any situation you're in, get down and worship God for who he is and what he's done and what he will do for you. Just worship him. It will, it will bring you victory. It will bring you freedom. It will bring you joy. It will bring you peace. It will bring you the presence of the living God into your situation. Amen? Instead, sometimes we go, why me? Oh, me, oh, me. It's all about me. No, no, it's all about him. Worship him. Worship him. He's worthy of your worship. Amen? Worship needs to be expression of him and me and who I am. It needs to be constant. It can't be just temporary here and there. It needs to be every part of my being. Do you know when Satan sinned in heaven, what he did? He refused to worship God. He refused to worship God. He, he denied his character. He refused his purposes. And he tried to steal his power and his position. What about you? Has he deceived you into that kind of activity? That's his purpose. That's what he did to a third of the angels in heaven. And they actually followed him. He deceived them into believing that God wasn't worthy of their worship. Amen? Do you see it? It was all about worship because worship is the expression of faith and a relationship with God and knowing who he is. Hallelujah. And responding to that. In Genesis 3, when, when uh, Satan came against Eve in the garden, how did he deceive her into the... Oh, by the way, I, I, have a, I had this question come to my mind as I was preparing this. What do you think the relationship between Adam and Eve and God was in the garden? 
I believe Adam and Eve were worshipers. I believe Adam and Eve worship God. Amen? I don't think you can be in God's presence and not worship him. And they got to be in God's presence. Hallelujah. They worship God before Satan deceived. And when Satan came in to deceive Eve, the first thing he did is he questioned God's character. He said, has God said? And why would he say that? Why would he say that, Eve? Why would he deny you the right to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What's his motive in doing that? Do you see it? And then he said, by the way, the reason he doesn't want you to eat out of that tree is because if you do, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. You won't need him anymore. You'll be his equal. Any of you ever been challenged to be your own God? It's the human condition before salvation. We want to be the Lord of our lives. We want to rule, and we're not sure we want to trust ourselves to someone we don't know. And so Satan deceived Eve, and she ate. And we all know what happened from there, because we are the fruit of it by our natural being. And in Ephesians chapter 2, it says that by nature, we're not children of God in spirit. We're physically like him in creation, but we're not spiritually alive to him. We're dead to him. We're, we're actually his enemies because we have this built-in nature that says, I, me, and my. Do you ever have to teach a child to be selfish? Come on. Even babies want to rule. If you don't believe me, ask a mom who's got a young baby how much sleep she gets at night. When he wants something or she wants something, they make it known. (laughs) Amen? Now, they need us to take care of them. But I'm just telling you, human beings aren't born with a holy nature. They're born with a self-centered nature. And until God comes in, and puts his heart and his love and his life in you, it won't change no matter how hard you try. Oh, you can be good, you can be benevolent, you can be kind to a degree until it comes down to whether it's you or the other person. Now, I don't want to call us all bad people, but I do want to remind us that uh, this is not about us, it's about God. By the way, right after Adam and Eve sinned, it says God clothed them with skin. And last sermon I told you I knew that he had to do that by slaying the firstborn lamb of the flock because he wouldn't break the type of Jesus, who was the lamb of God slain from before the foundation of the world. I'm totally convinced that that has to be so because he judged Moses for breaking a type of Christ, then he'd have to judge himself. He'd have to sin if he didn't use the same type to cover their sin that he uses throughout the rest of Scripture. Think about that one. Now think about this. When did the first murder occur, and what was it about? The proper way to worship. It was about the proper way to worship. I believe that God taught Adam and Eve, even before it became law, what a proper offering to God was to cover their sin. The reason I say that is because 
Abel knew it. It wasn't just because he was a shepherd that he brought that, that lamb and the blood before God as his act of worship. It was because he knew that was the right thing to do. Otherwise, God's being arbitrary in his judgment between Cain and Abel, and, he's, and he isn't because he says it was a holy issue. Amen? Because the life is in the blood, and that life was the life of Jesus that was going to be slain for us so that we could be set free. So the first murder occurred because one didn't want to worship the way God had revealed honor and glory and holiness and praise goes to Jesus. Amen? So you see, worship has been a part of our, the human challenge from the beginning, and Satan's constantly trying to keep us from giving God all the glory and honor and praise and position that he deserves. In Matthew 4, 8 to 11, we see one of the kingdom principles that you should always remember. Jesus had just been baptized by John in the Jordan. The Holy Spirit took him out into the desert, said he fasted 40 days, and he began to be tempted by the devil. And it says that one of the temptations the devil did was to take him to a high place and show him all the riches of the earth, all of their glory, all of their splendor, all of their, all their wealth and power, and said, all this I will give you if you do one thing. Do you remember what it is? If you will bow down and worship me. How is Satan done with you? Have the riches of the world, their power, their wealth, their position ever tempted you? to put them first in your life instead of seeing them as the provision and blessing and gifting of God? Jesus answered the devil, and he said, Satan, be gone, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall you what? Serve. You see, Worship has many aspects, but service is one of the primary ones. Amen? And so our life should be an offering of service to God because he created us for his purpose. He put his life in us. He put his authority in us. And he says, go and take the earth for me. Go and save those who don't even know they're on a sinking ship. You know, the earth is really like a sinking ship, folks. It's destined to be destroyed. And all of the passengers on it, God wants saved. Do we want them saved? The way God wants them saved. Then we become agents of God to see his service accomplished in this kingdom during our time here. Hallelujah. This is what we're trying to tell you here from Faith Chapel. God, God has called us to more than just exist and more than just have things good for ourselves. He's called us to be a part of his kingdom purpose and plan and to make a difference in this world by taking Satan down and lifting Jesus up. Amen? Amen? By being worshipers of the Most High God. By being those who follow him, love him, have a relationship that's constant and abiding 
You see, when you read in Ephesians, it says, God has given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms. And then he goes on to explain what it is. It's revelation. It's Jesus as head. It's all the authority and power that God used when he raised Jesus from the dead. It says he'll give us his inher- our inheritance in Christ. By the way, the testator has died. The inheritance is ours. Hallelujah. Amen? Come on. But why does he give us those things? So that we can worship him and glorify his name and accomplish his kingdom purpose here. Hallelujah. Amen. Perspective. It's a mighty thing. So then we see in John chapter 4 that it's not based on your ability to live a righteous life because he goes to a woman who's who's basically lived like a prostitute. Meets her at the well. She's shamed and outcast. She only comes at noon so she won't be seen by the rest and ridiculed. Most women come to the well in the morning when the water's cool. And so Jesus reveals to her who he is and says, if you will allow me to, I'll give you a drink and you'll never have to thirst again because I'll give you living water. Amen? Then she asks a question after he reveals to her that he knows all about her, he says, uh, she says, uh, we worship on this mountain and the people that you are part of worship at the temple, which is right. And Jesus explains to her what he came to do. Change the location of worship from one fixed place to every human spirit. Paul writes it this way, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? You see, there's no longer one central location on earth where God is worshipped. It's every temple that we are as human beings. Amen? How about giving him glory for that? You don't have to go anywhere but right where you are and you can be in God's presence and worship him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So then, how would I close this? I would tell you this. Worship is my response to the person, purpose, and my part in God's kingdom plan right here and right now. In Romans 12, 1 and 2 puts it this way. I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, By the way, you're only in this position because of his mercy, amen? Able to worship, able to be empowered, able to be used, able to be in in constant abiding relationship, have every provision that you need for life and godliness through his divine nature that has been planted in you. Hallelujah. I urge you, therefore, by the mercies of God to present yourselves as living sacrifices, (laughs) aren't you glad that Isaac became a living sacrifice? (laughs) That Abraham didn't have to put the knife in him, but God provided a lamb or a a male ram in his place. I'm talking about Genesis 22, if you don't know what I'm talking about, where God told Abraham he had to bring his son and offer him on a mountain to him as a sacrifice. Jesus is our sacrifice. Hallelujah. We don't have to have a different one. But he says, but we can become living sacrifices. I, I, like, a living, I like being a living sacrifice rather than a dead one. I don't know about you. Amen. 
Offer yourselves as living sacrifices. By the way, the only thing wrong with a living sacrifice is it can crawl back down off the altar. And if that's happened in your life, God wants you to get back up there right now. Because Christ has made you holy and acceptable to God. And then the verse says this, which is your spiritual service of worship. You know, I can't worship God without worshiping in spirit and in truth. And that's what John 4 also says. Those who worship my Father God, who is spirit, must worship him how? In spirit and truth. Do you realize you can't even come into the presence of God without Jesus Christ? Everything we need for life and godliness is in Christ and by the Holy Spirit. I cannot even know God without Christ and the Holy Spirit. I can't have fellowship with God without Christ and the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I can't live for Christ without, or for God without Christ and the Holy Spirit living in me. Amen? So if you've never made that choice, guess who's trying to keep you under his dominion? I didn't finish Ephesians 2. It says, all those who are disobedient are under the authority of Satan. Oh, you mean I don't have a choice number three? No, there's only two choices, God or Satan. And I know who I want to choose. I know whose character I can trust. I know who's demonstrated his love not only to me by sending his son, but in me (laughs) by coming here. Amen? And do not be conformed any longer to the mold or the impression of this world, but be transformed by the Holy Spirit and Jesus renewing your mind. Then you may test and prove what the perfect will of God is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, you can't do it without Jesus. You can't do it without salvation. You can't do it without being born again. It has to be done through him. I am the way, the truth, and the life, said Jesus. No one comes to the Father. How? Except by me. I am the one sacrifice for your sin. I am the source of life for you. I don't know where you're at this morning with regard to your relationship with God. But I'd like to invite you to take the next five minutes and worship him right where you are. Would you stand if you can? Understand what worship is. It's acknowledging his purpose, his person, and his position in your life. Jesus, when asked, how should we pray, said this, Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Does this sound like worship to you? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's worship, folks. That prayer is worship.
Father God, I thank you for every person here this morning. And I come against the evil one, all the authority of Jesus Christ and all the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to blind the hearts of the unbelieving, lest they see the light of the glory of the gospel and be saved. I come against you, Satan, in Jesus' name. I come against your influence in Jesus' name. And I demand and command you to go. And Holy Spirit, I invite you into the sanctuary in mighty power and presence, in revelation, knowledge. God, come and open the eyes and the hearts of us, your people, to a new understanding of who you are and why we're here. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. The eyes of our hearts be enlightened, O God, to know the hope to which you've called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints and the surpassing greatness of your power for those who believe, which is like the power that you exerted when you raised Christ from the dead and seated him at your right hand in heaven. Hallelujah. We worship you this morning, God. Thank you. And you've given us Christ as head over the church. Hallelujah. Which is, and given us a name that is above every name that ever has been named in this age or in the age to come. Hallelujah. Let us walk in your glory, God. Walk in your humility. Walk in your love. And walk in your authority as we take back this kingdom and open the eyes and the hearts of people who've been deceived from knowing you. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your holy name. Come, Holy Spirit. Just touch your people this morning. If you've never been touched (laughs) with the, gosh, the love of God, it's unconditional. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Touch Touch your children this morning, I pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Then glorify your Son. Heal, deliver, bless, give joy, peace, eternal hope, eternal life. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, God. And now respond to him. Hallelujah. Give you glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We have altar workers at the front. If God's touched your heart this morning and you need to make something right with him or you just want to give him glory, the altar is open. Otherwise, we dismiss you. May you go in God's peace, his love, his presence and his power. God bless you.